Welcome to the Scale Up Your Business podcast. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to go from startup to scale up and beyond. How to significantly grow your business, create freedom, build wealth, and live life on your terms. Featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction on your journey. And now, introducing your host, entrepreneur, investor, and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley. Hi, everyone. It's Nick here, and welcome to Scale Up Your Business. So today, we're going to continue the theme around investment. Now, you may be thinking, that's a bit strange, Nick. You know, we're still in this kind of lockdown with COVID-19. But you know what? There has never been a better time to be thinking about investment than now. Now, I know lots of people are struggling with their businesses. They're thinking about cash flows. All of that is critical. That's about survival. But actually, you should also be thinking about what happens when the world goes back to some form of normal. And rest assured, it will go back to to something that grows again. And my prediction is that things will snap back quickly. You know, they'll really slingshot back when they, when people have a certain degree of, of confidence and certainty back in the market again. And you want to be prepared for that. You know, you want to be doing the work now. So the topic of today's episode is going to be improving the relationship between investors and entrepreneurs. So whether you are an investor yourself and you're looking to um, you know, find great businesses, great opportunities to grow your wealth, or whether you're an entrepreneur and you're looking to find funding, how do you bridge the gap between those two things? Okay, so I'm delighted to have on the show Dr. Eric George. Now, Dr. George is an internationally renowned hand surgeon, hand surgeon turned serial entrepreneur. It's quite an interesting story in its own right. He's an investor, philanthropist, he's an author. He's got a great book, which is called we ditch the me mindset and change the world. Thoroughly recommend giving that a read. And he's also the founder and CEO of Erg Enterprises, um, the uh, founder and CEO of the Hand Center of Louisiana, the CEO of Amiga Hospital, and the chairman of East Jefferson uh, Ambulatory Surgical Center. So th- this is a really fascinating um, interview because not only is, is this guy incredibly successful, but he's got a proven track record of investing in small businesses, demonstrating viability, but businesses that lack the capital and the know-how to reach their potential. So I know that's a lot of you out there. And he's pioneered really interesting forms of investing, including a focus on historic preservation through real estate investments. So fascinating guy. I really enjoyed this conversation. Sometimes you get people on the show where you have a really good connection. I can tell you, speaking to... uh, to uh, Eric was just one of those, you know, he's just got such a great philosophy on life, such a great person, really, really connected, if you like, with this idea that the world works through networks. And his big thing is that even when he was a surgeon, and he'll tell this story better than I can explain, but when he was a surgeon, you know, how he was helping people get their get their um, ability back through, through, through their hands, through being a hand surgeon, he's taken that concept of, of help and network and connectedness, which we talk about into the world of investing and entrepreneurship. So as I've spoken to many great experts over the last year or more, um, this, this particular interview, I think, really gets the nail on the head about the importance of relationship. So there you go. That's um, Dr. Eric George. I'm delighted to have him on the show. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to Scale Up Your Business, Dr. Eric George. 
Hi, everybody. It's Nick here, and welcome to another episode of Scale Up Your Business. I am absolutely delighted to have with me today Dr. Eric George. Now, Eric is an internationally renowned hand surgeon, serial entrepreneur, investor, philanthropist, and author. In fact, as I was kind of preparing for this interview, I read his amazing book, which is called We, and we're going to talk about that today. And I'll tell you what's really exciting for me today. As we record this, we're going through, oh God, what would you call it, Eric? Something that I don't think anyone's seen in their lifetime with the um, coronavirus. Wow. Crazy stuff down here right now. It really is. It's, it's mental, uh, isn't it? Well, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but I mean- Great opportunities though, right? It is. Well, you know, because, because your book, We, talks about connectedness. And I think, you know, being connected right now, considering everything that's going on in the world, all the challenges, there's probably not a better message to be discussing today. So welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thank I'm honored to be here, Nick. Thank you. Well, I know we're going to have a great conversation. So listen, first and foremost, um, let's, let's get the audience just understanding a bit about you and your journey. So kind of, can you just tell them what you do now um, and, um, and, and the various business pursuits, but more importantly, kind of how you're feeling right now considering the environment and all the uncertainty. Sure. Well, you know, we're uh, ERG Enterprises, a fully diversified investment company. We take partnerships, more hands-on approach to the business that we really invest in. Uh, we provide our investment companies with not only capital, but guidance, support, much like you, and um, and facilitate introductions and other investments. The message that that I have that I think you I know you do and Dave does that we've talked about is that the you know the the we mindset is one that recognizes that the more connected entrepreneurs and investors are the greater success those two entities will have yeah no I agree and it's funny you know we were just saying I mean it's 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 good timing because of what's going on in the world right now but it's not the only reason it just happens to have everything a little bit more crystallized right now but the idea of connection, trust, rapport, I know these are some of the concepts that we speak about today. It feels like now more than ever, these things just need to be um, understood and applied. You know, especially, you know, New Orleans, where I am today, is one of the one of the fastest growing COVID uh, rates right now. And I'm involved in a lot of healthcare business. And, and what I've seen happen during a crisis like this is I would say, Nick, mine and your message has really become a priority. And that is, in order for us to accomplish this goal, we now are seeing everybody becoming the weak or the connected mentality. We're borrowing ventilators from different states and people are bringing in doctors from states and nurses. And then eventually when the problem resolves in this state, they'll move to another one and hopefully those same group of people will move on. And that's kind of what you and I've been saying for years about entrepreneurs and investors. They're two different animals, but boy, if they work together, instead of that constant fight, you know, the investor needs more money and the entrepreneur wants to know what the heck is going on, right? And I think seeing them come together is really nice. And we're seeing that now more than anything. Yeah, it's a, it's a funny, it's interesting, actually, because there has been a traditional viewpoint, um, rightly or wrongly, that there's this conflict or tension, probably is a better way to say it, between investor and entrepreneur. And of course, when there's money involved in anything, <laughs> it does, yeah, exactly. brings out the best and worst in people. <laughs> but you know, I, I've done 10 years in private equity, and I can remember at the beginning of that journey for me, it was much more that there was a, there was a wall or a bridge or something built between the two entities. But what I have found probably over recent years is that for investors to maximize the value they can bring to a relationship, they've had to change how they are. 
And as a result of that, entrepreneurs are becoming more confident in being open and honest. Are you seeing that same sort of thing? I would agree completely. I think initially, early on in investing, it seemed like the investor would build this this dream utopia. All I'll need is one installment of payment, and in two years, we'll go 20 to 1. That was the pitch to the entrepreneur, right? And then the entrepreneur would say, oh, all I want is this business that's going to do this and do it fast, and I can just stay hands off. And what we found is, I think it's your message more than mine, is that by picking the right people and working together as a unit, yeah, it may not go that long, but it's a slow, steady build. It's a relationship. And then that reinvestment that you have to do, you don't have to go out and look for it because the guys that are right there with you or gals that have worked hand in glove with you really are there for you for the next step. And that's really worked out very well for me. And I know it has for you as well. No, well let, let's talk about your, your career, um, your journey, as I say, because it's pretty interesting. So as, I'm, as we're recording this, I can just sort of say to listeners, there's a lot of hands. Yeah. There's heaps of hand statues behind, <laughs> behind Eric here. It's a really interesting ones as well, like clocks, and I can't really work it all out. Right. But how does, how does a, 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 you know, a literally world-renowned hand surgeon move into kind of entrepreneurship investments. It's quite unusual, isn't it? Thank you for the opportunity to share this with your audience. It's really exciting. I I am a hand surgeon and I still practice hand surgery and it's a subspecialty of either plastic and reconstructive. But, you know, the, the touching people, touching their hands and everybody in every walk of life, children, rich, poor, the laboring man, the ditch digger, the rheumatoid, the child with the congenital, every, in any given day, you meet all walks of life as a hand surgeon and you treat them. And as I became more involved and more caring for people, I met all walks of life, businessmen, women invested in new startups. And in night, in about 2004, a hospital that I worked in really uh, was able to I was able to capitalize on some of their in, I would say, their ability to do things more efficiently. And so we put together a group of doctors and started our own hospital with individual specialties. That kind of rolled me in and I'll summarize into hospitality, which is very similar to healthcare. So I opened some satellite offices in hospitality, then healthcare, and then rolled into multiple other startups and businesses. But my my true love is still the ability to touch patients and hold hands with people and be involved. So needless to say, there's a lot of hands behind me. All gifts for patients, by the way. Is it? Yeah. Wow. It's funny because there, there was a piece in your book, which I liked towards the end in the conclusion, which I said, you know, when you spoke to your father, and he, I think he made this point around the uniqueness of your work as a hand surgeon and as a serial entrepreneur. And I think, I think that's, I, can, I get it totally because you can't be probably more connected to people in, in the job of what you have done, you know, being a surgeon or being a physician in some ways, because you see, you see the best and worst of everything, don't you? I mean, you must see people in their lowest point and, and, and to some extent the euphoria of that as well. You know, and, and, and as he put it, you know, you're at the micro level taking care of one-on-one And then you're at the macro level looking at a business that has 400 or 500 employees. But, you know, the message is the same. And that is, if you're my patient, Nick, 
it's a it's a partnership, just like the entrepreneur and the investor. I say to you, listen, I, I put the plate and screws in your hand. You're an athlete. Now it's up to you to do the range of motion or do the therapy. You come back and have expectations from me. What can I do to help you get to the next step? I have expectations for you. And it's really a we mentality. And then at the end, we we shake hands and hopefully you've moved on and you then say, hey, if you have a hand injury, come back and see us. So the business mentality and the care of the medical patient, particularly a hand patient, are so similar. And um, I've been able to you uniquely bond those two. Yeah, I, lo- I love the focus that you talk about in terms of, you know, the, the same approach or the same philosophy, if you like, um, if it's one-to-one, is the same in scaling a business because ultimately it's still about one relationship at a time, isn't it? Yes, it is. It really is. And, um, you know, I think that, as you've pointed out so well in many of your podcasts, that that it's all about that team effort and really getting to know the people. I think early on, and I know you started early in business, there really was that distance they were almost two different entities and how we communicated was harder. And I think people like yourself have really helped us all to understand that if you really dig in and work together, it's much, it's a much more successful uh, partnership and fun. Don't you? And fun. It is. And fun. Exactly. And, and, and fun is often missing, but, but just to, to bring back to one of your points there, you know, it's, it's such a simple thing. It's such a simple thing. The idea of building trust, rapport, having a strong relationship with someone. I, it's funny, people ask me all the time, and it's a bit of a, a, an overused concept in the marketing world. They say, oh, what about B2B or B2C, right? And I go, well, they, don't, they don't exist anymore. Well, they actually never really did. It's P2P, it's person to person. Because ultimately, whether it's a company or an individual, there's a, there's a relationship that needs to be had with the individual for someone to then decide whether they're going to work together. I agree, absolutely. And and how you find those people, and I, I think I've, I talked to you about this earlier, how I think finding those people and looking for not, you know, you made a great point of that early on, and attitude is as important as aptitude, and you've helped me to understand that, and so we look for that gel now more so, and even in a business, you know, I invest more in people yeah. and less in the business. Early yeah. on in my career, I looked at the business and less than the people. Would you agree? I, I 100% agree. You know, and, and, and this is as I was going through, you know, obviously doing a bit of research before we spoke and looking at your company, um, Erg Enterprises, which I want to talk to talk about as well, because because I think the philosophy it, it comes out very strongly that you're very values led in your investment strategy, and obviously this is the way you are. Okay, how how have you found when you're kind of working with entrepreneurs? How have you found that they have responded? to that because it does feel different to what they may be expecting if they're coming to find investment from someone. And responding to what? I'm sorry, Nick. Responding to the the, the the approach that you have with your investment strategies with Erg Enterprises because it comes across as very much a people-orientated approach. Wow. I think it's fascinating. I think you'll find that some are, and I, I you'll love this for your audience, some go the other way. I mean, yeah. some say, oh, no, we're not, we're not people person. We don't have time to do that. We're not, that's not our thing. We have this high executive, very, very staunch, uh, almost militant type of approach and they move on. And you know what? That's okay because we're always brought many different opportunities and we can weed out the ones that we want to do. And I know that just doesn't work well for me. 
On the other hand, I find many people, and hopefully some of the people in your audience feel the same way, that are really more interested in finding that unity and finding your job to be part of your life and part of your happiness. And, you know, some of these miracle things that keep you smiling and keep life going instead of this every day you drudge yourself into work and you say, oh, here I go again. And um, our businesses, I think we all love them. And you know what's great, and I, I don't want to belabor this, but when they're truly invested in the deal, whether you're the entrepreneur or the investor, and we're partners, when things don't go well, everybody feels it. And you know the party that may be responsible for the mistake or the thing that didn't happen. You don't have to discipline that person. That person doesn't, you have to say, oh, wow. And they say, well, screw this, I'm going home. They feel it worse than you do. And so it's almost like a lifting up of their spirits to say, hey, that's okay. We'll get them on the next round. Whereas some of the older companies, it was like, hey, I'm doing all this for the guy at the top anyway. It's five o'clock. I'm ready to go have a drink, right? Well, even in even in traditional private equity investment, as I said, I've seen a lot of change in that in that sort of um, area over the last decade. It used to be very much that manage there was management and there was investor, and as I said, there's a wall between between the two, and sure. and actually the the kind of milestones or the uh, the objectives for the management team, if you like would always be just pushed a little bit farther ahead. You know, you can almost get it. You can almost get it. But the point is, you know, quite often you were always positioned never to really achieve it. You know what? That's really true. The little breadcrumb is out of your reach, right? Just throw it a little bit further. Reminds me of, uh, do you remember that image from years ago where they'd have like a donkey with a carrot on a stick? <laughs> and the donkey keeps chasing yeah. it. And there's no and, and there's there's a reason why it's a donkey because you know let, let's just say you know you, you may not be the brightest animal in the park. <laughs> but that but I've seen you know to, to shift the point I've seen now certainly some of the firms that I work with much more creative much more collaborative. Uh, to your point, there's a there's a coming together to do something here. Everyone shares in the value in a, in a proportionate way. And what it does, and just want to, to kind of make this point, I think it's important because it's kind of where you're coming from too, is that you see the management teams, you see the CEOs of those businesses relax a bit. Yeah. And, and they're, yes. not, they're not operating from fear. They're operating from, you know, a place where they've probably got more strength anyway. I, I absolutely agree with that. And I, I think, you know, by doing that, you set realistic expectations. You establish more transparency early on, don't you? You know, some of those goals that are so hard to achieve early on and with everybody working together, you know, you can expect more. You, Everyone knows their expectations on both sides. Yeah. Indeed. Kind of what I was saying. And did you, and let's talk about the culture of this and again, the philosophy of how you did this. Did you intentionally create this with your company, with, with Erg Enterprises? Was it something that was defined or did it just grow organically? I think it grew organically. I really do. I think that it probably established itself through my connection as a physician. And as I realized that instead of a dictatorial, you will go to therapy, you will do this. I found that by working with that patient. Some of them need to be held. I do a lot of, uh, in, in this country, we, we call it football. Over in your country, it's a different football, but I do a lot of NFL players. Yes. And, you know, those patients do not need motivation. Their motivation is driven, you know, my problem is holding them back so they don't re-injure themselves. 
other patients need to be seen on a daily basis. And I rolled that mentality kind of into my business world. And like, you know, some of our businesses need daily inspection, things are happening, and some of them are on cruise control. And so the we mentality became part of when I realized those people are the best businesses. And I think we've all made mistakes. I love when when there's honest entrepreneurs like yourself or my, me who say, hey, let's talk about the things we've done wrong. And early on, I didn't see that. Early on, I was here and they were there. And it took me some time to learn, you know, it, 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 the team approach is really what we're doing here. Yeah. Works. And in terms of, I mean, because I think this will touch a little bit on terms of how you've written written your book, We, but when you're, when you're, you said beforehand, one of the things you look for is probably more the human aspect as opposed to the financial. So you're looking to play the, the people, looking to the eyes and trying to work out of that. What are some of the characteristics you look for when you're, when you're going to make an investment or you're looking at, a, at an entrepreneur? I, I appreciate that. I'll tell you, I think that I like open-mindedness. I think that if I have a party that's with me, and or someone brings something to us and says, hey, let's do this or hey, let's look into this. And the very first thing that comes out of their mouth is, well, we don't do that. That's not our MO. We're not capable of that. That always worries me because I say to myself, you know, why can't we learn about that business? Why can't we learn from other people who have done things successfully? That narrow minded, it really scares me. And I've always been very open. You know, early on, we were taught through these MBA schools, stick with what you know, stay with what you know. And yes, early on, I think that's smart. If you know medicine, invest in medicine. But I don't agree that as you grow, these people and these connections are the same. And whether you're selling bags or whether you're selling tech, they're all people who want to make things work. And that's what I look for, people who are all have that common goal. I like people who listen. I like people who are open-minded. I like people who listen to podcasts. I like people who are interested in what Nick Bradley has to say or what, what other people have to say because those pieces of advice are implemented in my daily activities. Are they not in yours? Yeah. Well, most, you know, we were talking just before we started recording about one of the privileges I have is having, you know, amazing conversations with interesting people, right? Like this, this is amazing, right? I enjoy this. Um, but there's a thread that comes through. And one of the things that jumps out is people who have a growth mindset, you know, they're curious, they're open-minded, all the characteristics you were just talking about tend to work on themselves. They tend to have, you know, strategies, if you like, or practices around personal development. Um, wow, so you know what? That's revolutionary to me. And that's very, very true. I would say 100% is each day as I <clears throat> see more and learn more, it helps me to become a better person. And hopefully, you know, the, you know, I see now in, with this COVID-19, maybe a couple of years ago, I would have seen this as a, as a crisis or a problem. And I almost see this as a miracle, as things are going to really come out of this. There's going to be some really positive things. We're going to learn a lot of virology. Look at what we can do now on the, with the computer. People are at home. There's, we have realized how many people can teach from home, how much we can learn from these kind of connections. But I think there'll be some great opportunity that arises from this. Don't you? A hundred percent. And it's funny because I get, 
I have conversations daily with people who are um, finding this challenging, right? So they, they often reach out through the various things that I'm doing or even through my other businesses, right? <clears throat> but you see two types. You see people who are absolutely um, overwhelmed by what's going on. In fact, the word that was coined to me a couple of weeks ago by someone is um, I'm now going into hibernation. <laughs> and I, felt, I, I didn't know, I sort of, I, I sort of said, because I'm quite direct, right? I said, I said, you know, I'm not going to judge you. That's not what I'm doing. <laughs> right. You know, you can give yourself, I think it's absolutely fair to give yourself some time to kind of just pull it all together in your mind. But, you know, I, I find that in situations like this, you've got to step up. You've got to, you've got to think differently, you know, because in some cases, I, I wrote this the other day in a post that I wrote, you know, you've got to be a leader for your families, for your business, for the community and for yourself. And, and this is what these sort of opportunities, as you've called it, present. Well, you know, this is when the tough get going, as they say, or this is when leaders really need to step up and, and people are looking for some, some direction when, when there's controversy. And if you look back through all of history, you'll learn that when, I think everyone would agree, that when there's a mix or something changes, there's downside but there's always upside. Yes. And you know, when you, you, you want to run into the storm and not run away from it. And I think you'll see that there's going to be a lot that we're going to learn from this. I think the world will be a lot more connected. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, there's nothing like a common enemy that builds great camaraderie. They talk about in wartime and how you're back to back with another soldier and how loyal you become to that person. Well, now the world has a common enemy and maybe we can all hold hands a little more and, yeah. and all fight the same cause. I love that. And, you know, it's funny, even small examples. Um, so just walking around, I live in a little village north of London. So literally like horses and fields and all sorts of nice things around it. But as we're walking around, you know, doing our, perceive 30 minutes of exercise a day. I take my, I've got two young daughters, so I take them out. Everyone's saying hello to each other for the first time. I mean, you know, it's it's bringing back a sense of community that hasn't I haven't seen for years, if, if ever. You know what? I absolutely agree. Same thing has happened here. People are all, people are home. People are redoing their houses. People are doing their gardenings in the front. Yeah, you're at a social distance. There's no doubt about it. We've been told to be socially distant, but we need the we mentality and we need each other more than ever now. Yeah. And I think everybody has got the same common calls. And I have the opportunity to work a lot with the healthcare providers. We have a couple of facilities that are very full with, with patients that are very, very sick. And we have learned that, you know, there's some really great heroes not just the nursing staff, which are fantastic, and the doctors, but, you know, there are dietary that's feeding these people. You have housekeepers that are cleaning the rooms and changing the beds. I mean, it's, you get to see some real great champions when there's, when there's controversy, and there's some great people in this world. Yeah. There really are, from all over the world. I agree. Well, let's talk a little bit about your book in a bit more detail if we can, because I said I, I was reading it over the weekend. And you know, the thing I love about it is I love the stories. You've got so many great stories in there, you know, and it felt a little bit as I was reading it, it was quite cathartic for you to write it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I think I mean, it was a little bit of a memoir, was it? <laughs> I like that. I like that because it's kind of, because yeah. you know, I think, you know, there's a bit where sometimes books which have got a, 
a place to help people in business, in life, and, and they have to have some human stories to it. But, but let's go through because because you've got you talk about the core concept of we and connectedness. I think it's a really important message right now. That's why I was so keen to speak to you at this time as well. Um, but take us through the parts because I know you've got some various components of how you talk about we. Um, and some key components. It'd be good if you could share that with the audience today. Well, you know, what I tried to do through the book was as I as I shared some of the experiences that I had and how certain people influenced or individuals really brought me through some and brought me some great opportunities. Uh, chapter five seems to be the one that most people preferred, and that's the perseverance chapter. And that was one more about how all of us face some pretty tough controversy and where you have to dig in, believe in yourself. And at the end of the day, the, this too, the storm will pass. But I met a lot of fascinating people along the way. They've helped me as much as I maybe have helped them. And, and to this, and what's really great and rewarding is I see some of those, the laundry, the dry cleaner, the, some of the patients that I've treated in the past, the oil and gas people who started things for me, they're still in my life. So it makes for a really nice connection. Where did you, where do you think um, some of the biggest influences came from in your life? Because obviously this is a set of values and standards, which is very, very clear. So perseverance, not everyone has perseverance. People, sometimes people give up, but you've got these really strong currents. So where did that come from? I think we all, I hope today, and I, I know you feel the same way, we all want to be able to give something back. I think I think there's a, there's a built-in mentality. I know you can steal that in your girls. You know, hey, you, you can take from this world, but let's leave it a little better place than you've been. And I started off thinking that I could do that more as the one-on-one -on -one connection with the patient. Hey, helped a guy or a gal get her hand back and she's now back at work and using it. And then I realized in business that you can do a lot more than just the individual. And you are a much more expert about scale than I am. And I realized you just can't scale hand surgery like you can a business. And, and I realized that I can do a lot more, make more connections and maybe give something back and leave some, these businesses that I've been fortunate enough to be able to invest in, maybe offer them a, a little bit of our message about camaraderie instead of that angry boardrooms, but those positive boardrooms. And then to see those things flourish and grow is a home run for all of us. Yeah, no, I can see that through. And there's, there's a couple of different things in there which I just want to draw on as well. So, so who, I mean, no one builds this by themselves um, and everything connected. This is obviously about people and teams. I often say when people ask me, uh, what's the definition of scale up? And I say it's the ability to work with other people because yeah. two people okay. can create something in a shed, Google, but to actually turn that into something which changes the world, you need to, you need to engage other people to do that. That's so, really true. That's great. That's very yeah. true. Yeah, it's, 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 just, it's just a kind of – because a lot of people think scale-up is mechanics, being better at marketing, being better at sales or operations, but it's not. It's being better with people and those sort right. of – and finding those right people, you think, is part of the key as well? Yeah. It's, or, the, yeah. Well, I think it starts, I always say, it starts with personal leadership. Okay. So, and, and you said something that was really powerful then, which was around fulfillment. Because a lot of people i found, particularly business leaders, they focus on achievements. They focus on, you know, what is the definition of success? It might be money, it might be something else, it might be fame or status. 
But once they go down that route, they usually um, don't find fulfillment because they're not helping other people. They're not making a bigger contribution. As soon as someone can balance those two things, achievement and fulfillment, that's when they start to do things that are, you know, much, much bigger in emphasis and much bigger in impact. Wow. Great message. Okay. Yeah. Makes you're, sense. You, you explain, but you, it's funny because as I said, I've had lots of conversations with interesting people for the last year or so. Everyone has their way of describing it and you described it anyway. So you do it, but okay. I get a sense that you haven't probably joined the dots as much. It's just something you yeah. do, <laughs> which is great. Yeah. It's intuitive yeah, for you. Nice. That's nice though, because it helps me to understand some of the things that are happening. And yeah. that's where I learned from you. That's really neat. So I what's like what's next? What's next for you? I mean, well, you know, we really vision. are. We're excited about some other opportunities. You know, we have. Um, I'm looking at. I was able to participate in a Gallup uh, up in um, the Gallup headquarters in Washington D.C. There's a company called True Space mm-hmm. that has come up with five criteria to look at and. Um, some businesses and maybe try to determine what it is, perseverance, what are the five things that you could look at that makes a business successful? And I was able to be on that panel and we learned that these pay, these businesses that are somewhere between the two and the $10 million mark are stuck. And everybody likes to chase, as we had talked earlier, these rocket ships, the Facebooks and the, these these startups. And in reality, at this conference that we were in, we learned that one out of a thousand of those make it and the other 999 are dead. They're rockets that just peter out. And these good, steady, two to $10 million businesses that have built over years are really, they they offered thousands and thousands of job opportunities for people. Mm -hmm. And all they need is a little bit of help and a little bit of the guidance. And so we were trying to come up with some criteria to help those people between that two and $10 million range. And, and I've really gotten some great opportunities and, and Nick, that fits right in, you know, the advice that you can offer so many. And so many of those people are just stuck in that little space and just need a little push. Well, that's the sweet so spot. Really I mean, happen. that, I mean, that, that, I mean, that's, it's fascinating. We did talk a little bit about this um, before we, we started recording, but that, that is exactly the sweet spot where I invest. And there's multiple reasons for that. I'm, I've got a partnership with a, um, an investment group in Baltimore called Prox Capital. Um, and we only focus, we only focus on businesses that are a little bit traditional. Let, let's say they don't have, you know, they're not the tech startups out of San Francisco. They're run by people who have, you know, been in the businesses for 20, 30 years. There's, there's love, there's sweat, there's toil. They've got amazing relationships with customers. They might even have the same person at the front desk who's been there for 20 years. You know, all this sort of huge amount of of, um, cultural um, power in these businesses. And and we get involved because we, a lot of these people kind of are are reaching retirement age. So, and they sometimes haven't got succession plans and they, for them, it's more about the legacy as opposed to necessarily making a lot of money, but it, it's, it's a combination of things. But we normally get involved in those businesses and we, we put some investment in and we either require them or do something else. And we, we allow them to continue, flourish and survive and be viable that's great. in a world that's changing. And that's where I spend most of my time. So it's fascinating you say that because I, I think that's an amazing space, a really amazing space. And, and you know, those people are, as you just alluded to, those people, it's all about their heart and their soul. I, I found it pretty exciting in that 
you know, they spend some of them spend a lot of time chasing new customers. And this data of thousands and thousands found that actually you should spend more time with the customers that have been always loyal to you because the new customer just jumps from space to pace. I mean, there were so many things that were enlightening to me about that. Like you said, it was more about legacy than it was about profit. It was how can we keep our name and we've sold this business or this particular product for years and we want to keep selling it long after we're gone and people count on us. And so I love to hear that. And I learned a lot about that space. And you made a good point, I think, about, you know, job creation as well and community because, you know, I I think global smaller businesses is, is, again, an untapped um, area because people, for whatever reason, have shied towards the, as as you said before, the sexy, disruptive technology. But um, but the, the fact that some of these businesses have been pivotal to their communities, and I know you're you've done a lot in your community in Louisiana, New Orleans. Um, and I, I bet a lot of that is supporting small businesses. It must be to be able to get things moving again. It really is. We have a lot in in you know Louisiana, particularly New Orleans, is a very heavily hospitality driven community. So we have not, eight or nine hotel properties that all offer different kind of. Um, you know, there's the, we have a few of the really big block hotels. We have a few of the specialty hotels. We have some, uh, restaurants and we have some bars, those kind of activities. So the hospitality industry, we have a theater in the area. We also like to do a lot of the, uh, historic restorations with some of the historic tax credits that have come. Yeah. Fantastic. And we've learned a lot about those. And I think, Post the COVID crisis, there's going to be a lot of tax credits and opportunities for investors. And I really encourage people to look into those because those are ways you can jump into um, projects and and really it's exciting for people and there's some opportunity there. And what are you, if we go into kind of your investments currently, not the detail of all of them, of course, but, but what's the general message that you're saying to the businesses that you've invested in now? So there's a, there's a concept of survive and thrive and all this sort of thing floating around the place. What's your, your position on that? Well, I think what, what, what we're saying is, you know, there's going to be some government assistance in this country that's going to help to bring back a lot of the people that have been furloughed in this world. I think that there'll be a lot of pinup frustration where people have been pulled back. But as soon as the gates open, I think we'll see a tremendous surge. You know, we have a very good analogy here, and that was Hurricane Katrina in 2005, which struck New Orleans. And during that year, there was a lot of people who left the country, left the area and said it's never going to come back. But in fact, not only did it come back, it came back stronger because so many people wanted to support an area that had been hit and hardship. And I think this country, and I think your country as well, I think all the people will say, let's go back now and let's support the restaurant down the corner that had some rough times. Let's go to that baseball game or that soccer match that we haven't been to in a while, and let's let's buy a hot dog, and let's do those things that everybody's looking for. <laughs> so... That's my message. I think that, yes, there's a little, there'll be a reset button. There'll be some changes. But I think if you've got the right attitude and you you look for opportunity, it'll be there. That's my message. 
And has it has it changed um, your investment strategy very much? I mean, in terms of, I mean, are you slowing down a little bit now and just being prudent or looking at different types of businesses? Yeah, I would say what it's done for us is we're conserving a little bit of capital now more than we have. Mm-hmm. In other words, we've throttled back a little bit on any we're still moving forward on construction. We're doing a couple of hotels. We're still moving forward because the construction world has not been stopped, but the hospitality industry has really slowed down. We had, a, you know, we're not doing hotels and we're not doing anything activity wise as far as the current properties. Um, healthcare has been at full throttle. So as one bench in business, hospitality is down, healthcare is up. I mean, it's standing room only with hospitality, with, you know, ambulatory surgery centers and hotels. But I think what we're going to do is pull back some of the capital, see which direction things go, and then look for a great opportunity in investments. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's this last week, I've had three or four separate opportunities land on my desk from private equity firms looking to invest. So, you know, again, not, not, I told you what you said around sort of making sure we're managing capital is key or well, cash is king is probably the other way of saying that right now. But at the same time, there are going to be um, businesses that need that injection of capital and the injection of expertise. Um, you know, good businesses that are just, you know, right now are going to be struggling because of the, uh, the macro environment. But, um, but people, I think you're open-minded. I'm certainly seeing that in the UK and some of my contacts in the US as well. You, you are. I think, I think that there will be some opportunity. I think there'll be some businesses that'll use this as an opportunity to say, okay, we were kind of on the edge and we're done now. I think we'll see some new shifts. I think we'll see some new changes. I think there'll be some people who are on the cutting edge who are looking for this opportunity. People who are saying, hey, now it's, now it's time to get in and, and do some things. I also think some of these new technologies like that we've learned what you can do from home and some of these delivery businesses and some of the studies that we've made done. I mean, wow, what opportunity there, huh? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I, I've been looking at this some space for a while. I work a lot, a lot in the online education space. So I spent a lot of time okay. investing in those businesses <clears throat> and what you're finding now, a couple of the people I work with, you know, they're getting, um, you know, almost oversubscribed because, this was happening anyway, the ability to be able to work remotely, to be able to connect in the way we're connecting. We haven't met physically, but I can tell we've got a really good connection, right? Similar values, similar philosophies. People have shied away from that, but something like this sort of sort of opens the door to that possibility. So I don't think it's ever going to go back to what it was. I, mean, I don't even, you know, I absolutely do not. I think these, you know, I, I have a, a young man that dates one of our daughters and he's a teacher and he's a Latin teacher and he's, he's staying with us and he teaches and he was telling me that he has all of these children that he teaches Latin to, and they're all on the Zoom space. And he said, actually, they're so focused. He said, in the classroom, they're always messing and doing things. Now they're all focused. He said, it's quiet. Each one can pop up and make their comments. He said, the education system, he's got a board that he shows and makes comments. And he said, wow the technology is really making for a better classroom than where it was before. Yeah, there you go. Do you think that's the case? I think, I think humans, humans find a way of adapting. Yeah. <laughs> what I mean by that is I'm seeing businesses that have had, you know, the way I describe it is something like this forces you to do the things you should have been doing anyway. Yes. You know, Boy, that's true. 
Yeah, and you've got people who should have been innovating with their products and services two or three years ago. All of a sudden, they have to do the same thing in two weeks. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think that's a powerful thing because we will adapt. You know, and, and a good friend of mine says that you know, commerciality always finds a way of shining through. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Would you know that's true? You know, Nick, I'll tell you, we have a business that's the uh, one of our our healthcare businesses, and we have a huge office space. You know, forty thousand square feet. And when this all hit, we said, "Well, let's get our billing people off site and let them go home. Let's let's make this happen." But for years, we've been told, you know, why do you have all these billing people in their cubicles all through this office space when they can be doing this at home? And like you said, it forced us to send them home. And we realized they can do it all from home and the overhead costs are going to drop and it's just as efficient. You know, we really have learned a lot already. Oh, I agree. I agree. And there's, there's also, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing from lots of people that that idea of being connected and present with family has come yeah. back as well. Because um, this, I mean, we're homeschooling our two young girls here at the moment. So my wife, surprised they haven't come up, actually. They normally come up. Yeah, I would love um, that. I love it. We would have had them on. Everyone knows on this podcast, as I said, I don't add anything back. So wherever the podcast goes, it goes. Um, but you know what? It's great. It's lovely. You had a lovely weekend, even though we can't do what we'd normally do, but we're more connected now. And I think that's that's just got to be good for people's psychology and, and their kind of emotions and their mindset as well. I think, it, I think it also helps us. We've all learned now as we're doing podcasts and talking with each other that we're all really the same. I mean, you know, you can catch me at home. And there's my daughter walks by or the dog shoots across the yard and you have your two girls that you're walking in. And I think everybody realizes, you know, we really are the same people. We're all trying to accomplish the same task. And sometimes you pull yourself distance away from that by putting yourself in. This is the office and we're not allowed to have those connections. And and I think some of the most enormous things are when the kids come out and jump on their dad's shoulder or one of the news media. I think they had a I was watching CNN the other I was on CNTV and one of the one of the uh, kids came out while the dad was showing his graphs. And instead of saying, ah, he just let her stand there. <laughs> Why not? Why not? But, it, but it's I mean, I've said for years, the person the person you are at home needs to be the person who shows up for work. Otherwise, you don't have that authenticity. You don't have. You're not the real you. And of course, there's a balance of the conversations you might have, but at the same time, you've got to have the same, the same, you know, attitude values. Exactly. I love that message. I haven't heard that. That's great though. That's right. That's who you should be. So I'm conscious. Uh, I'm going to ask you a couple of quick fire questions at the end, which I like to ask people, but before I do that, cause you've been very, very generous with your time. Is there any, is there any kind of final message that you would like to leave to entrepreneurs? I mean, obviously the topic we talked around today was improving that relationship between investor and entrepreneur. Is there any final message you'd like to leave for people on that? You know, I think if I could, and it it may sound a little trite, but I, I would love to tell your audience that if there are people out there that are watching this, that are discouraged, people out there who said, I don't think I can do this, people who say, well, you know, I watched this, but that's just not me. I think I'll just go do what I've always been doing. That's not really what you want to do. You can do it. I mean, and you're already taking the best and the most important step. And that is you're, you're watching a, a podcast or you're reading something or you're picking up a book and you're saying, I think I can do this. And so if there's one thing that I could leave, 
for your crowd is, hey, don't be afraid to jump in the water. And there's so much help. There's there's books and there's there's Nick's and there's, you know, there's Nick Bradley and his companies and there's Dave that we've talked about. There's so many resources and don't be shy. Get in the water swim. I love that message. I love that. And there's lots of Eric's in this world who are prepared to help as well. There's a lot, you're right. There's a lot of people out here who want to kind of support people who are brave enough to, um, to do that, to jump in the water. I say at the end of every podcast, be grateful, be brave, have faith and show up, which is a mantra for me. Yeah. But if you think about it, you break that down, you know, you know, you've got it being grateful for what you have being present, you know, being brave to jump in the water, to use your words, have faith it's going to work out, you know, because there are lots of ways of, of people out there to help you. And then showing up is about doing the work because, you know, you can Absolutely. do it forever. Exactly. And, and it won't be easy, right? I mean, there'll be, there, it's not like it's going to be, hey, we did this and it's perfect. We've all, we've all, but that battle is what makes it so worthwhile. It does. All right. I'm going to leave you today. I said, you've been generous with your time, Eric. I'm going to leave you with three questions. Because I yes, always sir. like I always like the answers to these because they're always interesting. Uh, no, nothing too scary, don't you worry. <laughs> so, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? You can say who it's by as well, but what's the best piece of advice? You know, I would tell you that the probably the best piece of advice that anyone ever said to me, and that is that you have to believe in yourself and believe that what you can do it. And I have to give that credit to my father who who there were days when I was a young man and I thought, I can't do this. I'm frustrated. And he'd say, and it seems very trite, but it's very true. And, and I, I, I still do believe that we can make things happen. And he said, believe in yourself. And, and I think if you have that attitude, you, you can accomplish almost anything. Well, well your profile was testimony to that as well. I said, I'm going to do a proper introduction for you. Um, but yeah, looking through all the stuff that you've achieved. Yeah. Well, that's definitely, you've definitely believed in yourself to be able to lift some of these and do some of these massive milestones for sure. Thank you, Nick. Okay. The worst piece of advice. <laughs> I, I think the worst, that's a great question. And I, I think the worst piece of advice that anyone ever told me is that, you know, you must just stay right in your lane. Don't step out of your lane stay, stay headstrong and don't be, um, I wouldn't say that people tell you to not be open-minded, but there was a mentality early in medicine that you may never be right, but you're never wrong kind of attitude, make a decision and stay with it. You know, I think that's dangerous. And I think that what I've learned as I, I mean, I'm getting older now, I've been in this game for 30 years. And what I've learned is some of these young people have great thoughts and great ideas. And instead of saying, well, no, that's never going to work. I've learned, hey, you know what? Let's give it a whirl. So I think the attitude that, you know, stay in your lane and only do one thing has been detrimental for us. And what we've learned is, hey, open up your mind, look at different projects, look at different businesses. I think you can you can be a hand surgeon and own hospitality. You can, you don't have to just be selling hand products. And, um, and that's my message to your audience. Yeah, I love Whether that as well. Right. A mentor of mine once said, say yes and figure it out later. I love that. It, <laughs> it is. I mean, I, I, often, I often say, a beautiful answer like that. <laughs> I don't often say, you know, hey, listen, don't say yes to everything, but, 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 no, but, but no. the principle, the principle is right. Yeah. Right. All right, last question for you. As I said, you've been generous today. So if you could change one thing in the world right now, 
And of course, the COVID thing's going on, but I think probably a little bit more longer term. What would that be? Probably, if I could change one thing, I think that I would say to people that it goes back to my book, and that is that there's still a little bit of a sentiment out there that it's a me world. And we have some people in politics that foster it's about me. We have people in business that it's about me and it's the empire. And I think that what they'll learn is that if it's, if you think of the collective, if you think of we, if you think of all of us working together, you'll be much more fulfilled. Not, and I'm not saying if fulfilled means, you know, financially, if fulfilled means spiritually, if fulfilled means you know, as you said, status, whatever it is that's important to you, if you share it with people, it has great value. And this message of me is really wrong. And the message should be we, and I think everyone would be happier, particularly the person who was the me who's now a we. Yeah, well, you know, I'll, I'll be honest and I'll be honest with you that, that I was that person probably 20 years ago in my early career. I was it was more about me and what I could achieve. And then I got to a position, and most of the audience know this, I've told the story, where um, you know, I got burnt out, frustrated, angry, because I wasn't, I wasn't sort of thinking about contributing or making a bigger contribution. I wasn't thinking about we, to use your words. So there you go. I, th- I think we've all been there. I think the people who really wake up and see that have all been at that point where you, you go down that path and then you realize this is not fulfilled you're kind of an unlikable person. Yeah. You're not somebody anybody wants. And then all of a sudden you change gears and you realize, wow, this is a much happier life. There's it just changes. It changes everything. And I often say I'm so, you know, I wish I'd learned it earlier, but I'm glad I found it when I found it. And it's changed everything for me. So that's why, as I said, that's why I was so excited to talk to you because, you know, I, I knew from reading the book, I knew that we'd have a very similar view on things. Well, I'm really honored to be on your show. I really am. And I, I commend you on remarkable success, Nick, and you and what great followers you have. And I think what you're doing for people is magnificent. So uh, well, you. Likewise, likewise, Dr. Eric George, thank you so much for coming up on coming on Scale Up Your Business. And thank you for helping and sharing your message today. As I said, I'm very grateful. Thank you for having me. So thank you, Eric, for coming on Scale Up Your Business. What a great guy, hey? Can you get a sense when you hear him speak just about how much he really values and, and thinks about people? You know, I think I've, I've worked with um, surgeons of all types and I think one of the differentiators of, of really great people in that space are, are the ones who have empathy for their patients, but also have uh, an, an unbelievable ability and talents in their craft. And I just love the way that um, Eric talks about how he has taken that thinking, that belief, that set of values, those standards into the world of entrepreneurship. So I thoroughly recommend you reading his book, We, but I also thoroughly recommend you just looking into what he does. And if you are an entrepreneur and you've got a business and you want some investment, have a look at his investment profile. There are different types of investors out there. I often talk about this. There are some that are focused more on the financials and there are some who are just a little bit more kind of broader and they look at the people and they look at the the idea and the vision. And Dr. Eric George is certainly in that second camp. Really, really fascinating guy. And um, as I said, I very much enjoyed the conversation. So I'm just going to leave you with a couple of thoughts today. Um, One of the things I'm doing right now is I'm speaking to people all the time. I'm offering help where I can and um, and just trying to add some value to people because I know there's, there's different 
different layers of how people are, are struggling with the, the current environment. So let me leave you with a couple of questions. First question is, what is your biggest challenge right now that you're facing? And have a think about this. This is not a rushed answer because I was asked this the other day and one of the, I'll tell you my answer actually. Um, the, the natural reaction is to say cash flow, managing staff, keeping people motivated, all those sort of important things. But, you know, when I really thought about that question, the biggest challenge right now is, is looking after myself, you know, making sure that I have the energy to keep going and to have the, the resilience to keep going, to be the best leader for myself and my family. So, you know, that might be a similar answer to you, but have a think about that question. What's the biggest challenge you're facing right now? And then the second question I want to leave you with is, what's the biggest challenge that your customers or your clients are facing right now? Okay, so there's a thing about your challenge, but there's what about them? And, and if you can bring those two things together, and you know, there's, a, there's a third part to this, which is not just your clients, but their clients. So if you can go at another level again, then you're going to start to be coming up with some ideas and strategies that are going to really help you start to focus how you can kind of um, both survive and thrive the current situation. So yeah, just thought I'd leave you with that. Just some stuff that I've been pondering over the last couple of weeks and I've certainly been using that with my clients and I've found it to be helpful. So as I always say to finish my episodes, be grateful, be brave, have faith and show up now more than ever. Bye for now.